Passion, freedom, knowledge. The Abstract Japan Podcast at abstractjapan.com. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Electric Sisterhood, and Omnishine proudly present No Points, No Mix, The World's J Pop and Alternative Art Squad. and wenches, welcome to episode 289 of No Borders, No Race. I am your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. And today is the very first official 2022 episode. I hope you all enjoyed all of the best of 2021 shows because it was kind of tough trying to put together those top albums lists. Yes, 2021 will be known as the year where bands that normally give it their all, well, didn't. That's not to say that all the albums I showcased didn't deserve to be on there. It's just that for almost the entire year, I may have either had to put records on the list that were so-so, or do what I haven't done since 2017, and just combine both lists. But the two bands that were on top, Sakoyans for A Gasoline Rainbow and Fucked Up for Year of the Horse, whose name is Percival, absolutely deserve to be at said top. And speaking of fucked up, it was announced that they have a new non-Zodiac album coming out later this year, too. So, add that to the likes of Sabaton, Frank Turner, Battle Beast, Hikaru Utara, Scandal, and Stance Punks for albums that hopefully will make 2022 suck less than 2021 in an audible sense. They're also currently on tour where they're playing David Comes to Life in its entirety, so please be sure to check them out if they're coming to a town near you. You know, so long as you're vaccinated and wearing a mask when attending. In which case, if you aren't, fuck off. Anyways, on today's No Borders No Race, a member of the Suicide Squad gets his own show, and a Cohen brother takes on the Bard. Plus, on this week's A Bastard Soapbox, why game distributors need to stop being prudes about bedroom fun. But first, let's start this week's playlist. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. We are starting things off with a song from Momoro Hosoda's new film, Bell. You can read my review to see why you need to watch this movie, as well as listen to a special roundtable podcast with Hosoda-san I did with a couple other sites. Here's Millennium Parade and Kaho Nakamura under the guise of Bell with you.
I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold, and you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese, uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow, maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show, yes! Tune in! We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool. And you can hear more good songs just like this. I'm 
強がりだって Do you know no 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 I did me anything is okay I choose you I こそは誰に見えない幻想愛あるなら全てさらけ出して愛してると胸に刻み込んで A B-side from their daydreaming single, that was Bandmade with Choose Me. Bandmade have been gaining a lot of attention as of late. On top of their contribution to the anime series Platinum End, Bandmade have been heard and even seen in such American productions as Netflix's Kate and the very thing I'm going to talk about right now. Last year, James Gunn took a sorry DC Universe film property and gave it the adrenaline pump it rightfully deserved. The Suicide Squad was one of the most fun DC movies in recent memories, being unapologetically violent, funny, and entertaining. While it didn't do awesome at the box office, it did manage to get a lot of views on HBO Max. Hence why we're now seeing John Cena's amazing turn as Peacemaker now being turned into a television series. Being told as an eight part limited show, Peacemaker picks right back up from the end of The Suicide Squad. He leaves the hospital thinking that he is finally free, but the Argus agents catch up to him, telling Peacemaker that he's still got work to do if he truly wants freedom. With the aid of some agents, a nosy sidekick named Vigilante, and the greatest American bald eagle you could ever imagine, Peacemaker sets out to kill every man, woman, and child to keep Project Butterfly from overtaking the world. The thing I love most about James Gunn is his don't give a fuck attitude. You saw it sprinkled throughout Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was ever so present in The Suicide Squad. With The Peacemaker, he expands on that mentality, giving free reign for Peacemaker to do what he wants in ways that'll make a lot of people wince in their seats. They'll also probably laugh their asses off over what happens to him, from a one night stand ending with literal explosions to when he actually finds out why it's called Project Butterfly. And John Cena goes completely off the rails as Peacemaker. This isn't your family friendly WWE babyface you're seeing on screen. This is a very enthusiastic killer who's ready to basically fuck shit up and fuck everything that moves. But we're also seeing a peacemaker that might have some shit hiding deep in his gut, as evident by what happens when he is on his first mission. It's clear that he was brought up by a terrible white supremacist father, played fantastically by Robert T. 1000 Patrick, and that may play into effect by what sorts of decisions Peacemaker will make in future episodes. We'll also see more of what Argus's agents have in store from Danielle Brooks's tough yet funny Leota to Jennifer Holland's gritty Amelia. Steve Agi, who I have been a fan of ever since the Sarah Silverman program, is pitch perfect as John Economos, who takes the comic relief character from the Suicide Squad and gives him some good depth. And props to Freddie Stroma for making Vigilante's uncomfortable stalkery personality. Actually, funny. The best part about Peacemaker is how gnarly the action can be. It doesn't go for comic book violence, but rather grindhouse style insanity that put James Gunn on the map in the first place. The first big fight in episode one is a true balls to the wall spectacle, with an ending that's as grotesque as it is funny. 
and it gets even rougher, especially when you see Vigilante having a car battery attached to his... Well, I won't spoil it for you. You just have to watch Peacemaker on HBO Max. As of this recording, three episodes have aired, although the fourth one will be coming out a couple days before this episode goes up. If you want to see more of what made The Suicide Squad one of the best action films of 2021, then by all means, give Peacemaker a watch. It is simply fantastic. Now, one of the other great things about Peacemaker is its soundtrack, which James Gunn almost always hits out of the ballpark. What you are about to hear is the show's theme song, and its opening credits have already been deemed legendary by the internet masses. From their 2010 album Stop Rock and Roll, here's Norway's Wigwam with... community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Hair metal classic from Loudness. That was Clockwork Toy from 1986's Thunder in the East. Last year marked the 40th anniversary of Loudness, and this year they'll be partaking on a European tour with stops at both the iconic Walken Festival and Sabaton Open Air. As an English major, I had to take Shakespeare 101 classes. And to be frank, it's 
Not fun reading Shakespeare. His works are more meant to be observed and acted out, not seen in word form. It's why I enjoy watching Shakespeare on stage, with one of my favorites being the American Repertory Theater production of The Tempest a while back, with a Tom Waits soundtrack and the direction of Teller from Penn & Teller. I also enjoy big screen adaptations of Shakespeare's works, with the one that seems to be done the most being Macbeth, or the Scottish play as people call it because it's bad luck saying the title near a theater. This past month, Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers fame had his opportunity to bring Macbeth to life in his film, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Filmed in black and white and on sound stages rather than real environments, The Tragedy of Macbeth puts Denzel Washington into the title role with Francis McDormand in the role of his wife. And if you have ever gone to high school, and I'm certain most of you have gone and finished high school, you all know what Macbeth is about. I don't need to give you a synopsis. What I am going to tell you is why you should see the tragedy of Macbeth. With the decision to film on sound stages, Joel Cohen brings a truly haunting aesthetic to Shakespeare's classic play. Things seem plain and empty, but perhaps that's the point. Macbeth is a man who seeks power, but even when he has it, he seems both lonely and unsatisfied. As he roams through the halls of the kingdom, that power and the guilt of how he got that power starts to squeeze him into a little box. It practically suffocates him, to the point where his madness, Elaine Macbeth's madness, overtakes them in the worst possible way. And madness, I feel, is the key theme to Macbeth. Being mad with power, mad with guilt, mad with jealousy. Every character from the Macbeths and King Duncan to the witches and even the porter having a kind of madness in their essence. Some madness comes from greed, others from paranoia. Madness takes power, cunningness, and as the story goes on, many, many lives. After all, it's the idea of living and dying by the sword that seals the fate of many of the characters, either by their own hand or by someone else's. And that sword doesn't get drawn until the madness overtakes that person. And Joel Cohen captures all these sorts of madnesses brilliantly thanks to the way the tragedy of Macbeth is presented. You feel like you're in the same room as these characters, in a way that not even a regular theater performance of Macbeth could bring. It brought to mind Punch Drunk's Sleep No More, which has people walking through five rooms where the story of Macbeth happens right around them. By the way, Sleep No More will be returning next month at the McKittrick Hotel in New York, so do be sure to check that out next time you visit. But back to the movie version. Not only does the setting have a creepy and maddening vibe, but... Also, the performances do as well. Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand have that madness overtake them early on, in ways that they become lost in their roles and taken on a wild journey up and down royalty. Corey Hawkins tries to swim through the madness as Macduff, doing his best to keep his head above water with great success. But perhaps the best performance is that of Catherine Hunter, whose interpretation of the witches is original, haunting, and downright intense. 
The tragedy of Macbeth won't be everyone's cup of tea. It's an adaptation that requires you to keep paying attention to every word spoken and every action initiated. But if you're able to do that, then you'll be rewarded greatly with one of the best film adaptations of Macbeth since Polanski's 1971 take on it. The Tragedy of Macbeth is now in theaters, but can also be viewed on Apple TV. Not a bad review for someone who suffered through Shakespeare 101. <sighs> now then, let's return to this week's playlist with something more feel-goody than the tone of Macbeth. Um, this song is good for anyone out there who loves to work with cosplay. One of this season's most anticipated shows is My Dress Up Darling, and thus far the hype has lived up to its expectations. Here's the end theme from the show, coming from a newcomer named Akari Akase. Here's Koi no Yukui. <laughs> Walls or shilling around at Scarlet Rhapsody, 
we are an independent web zone covering conventions across the country. Scholar Rhapsody breaks it down for you. The guests, the dealers, the culture, the cosplay, the trending fandoms, and what makes a convention worth the price of admission. Are you convention cultured? You will be. Visit us on the web at scarlet-rhapsody.com, Facebook at Scarlet Rhapsody Media, Twitter at Cons and Churros, YouTube at Scarlet Rhapsody Convention Cultured, and remember, the con is what you make of it, so make it a good one. See you at the con.
From their recent EP Rewind, that was Tiny Fighter with an acoustic rendition of Tell Me. The EP strips Tiny Fighter of their trademark art pop sound as they attempt to showcase their voices with a more traditional and unplugged instrumental aspect. I do like it when bands do that. It gives the audience a chance to see what they're made of without the aid of bombastic melodies. Okay, folks, I hope you're hungry. I think it is time we call up DoorDash and get ourselves an order of the Beantown Sampler. Today's Beantown Sampler comes from a fantastic up-and-comer that goes by the name Lily Black. Fronted by Lily Senna, the Boston-based four-piece has already been making waves with the likes of Cave Dogs and the B-52s singing their praises. Last year saw the release of their latest EP, One More Mistake, with the song sharing the theme revolved around people going through tough times, something that I think we can all relate to these last couple of years. This here is the opening track from Lily Black's One More Mistake, and it's called Settling Scores. the future we've got your pop culture reactions and news over at leakpodcast.com the league of ordinary gentlemen comic book podcast is more than just comic check us out wherever you get your podcast on social at leak podcast <laughs>
Night throwback. That was Detroit 7 with Mr. Kato on the road from their black and white album. While there are no signs of Detroit 7 making a live comeback, there is a little bit of hope that Japan Night might make a comeback this year with South by Southwest happening this March. Hopefully that'll also mean I could do a South by Southwest showcase episode for the first time in two years. And now, folks, let's hurl some truth bombs at some douchebags. It's time for a bastard soapbox. Sometimes I wonder how one natural thing humans do can be seen as filthy no matter what. Now, I can understand why certain people don't want to see content of the sexual kind in their entertainment, but at the same time, things made for a mature audience should be allowed to have mature content like sex involved in the narrative. If you're trying to block young folks from watching two consenting individuals make love, be my guest. You should absolutely do that. But don't act like all cool and lacking consideration when you let your kid watch or play something that has people's heads blown off or intestines ripped out. I mean, that's double standards, and that's not my opinion. Those be facts. What I'm trying to get at is, in the realm of video games, it's always been socially acceptable for there to be violence. But heaven forbid that in an M-rated game, two characters want to bump beauties with one another. Note that I said bump beauties and not bump uglies because I'm a progressive motherfucker. It's a fact that sex, which is a natural occurrence, is shunned by pop culture, while violence, an unnatural occurrence, is treated not with a shrug, but with a fist pump and tribal cry. And yes, I'm one of those folks who cheers for hardcore violence because I'm experiencing a fantasy where no real-life people are being hurt. The same should be said when it comes to sex with fictional characters. So long as they're of an age of consent, it should be okay to maybe show a scene of lovemaking in an M-rated game. Now, if you actually see the parts, well, you know then that should be labeled an adults-only title that those only 18 and older should play. This leads me to the treatment of adults-only titles in the gaming industry. I know I did a whole segment about why adults-only games should be released on consoles, seeing as only physical stores refuse to sell them. But now it looks like I need to fight for adult PC games to be sold online too, with the news that Game Jolt is no longer selling games that they consider quote-unquote pornographic. And because they didn't get their shit together, a bunch of indie games that don't even have sex scenes in it, but rather characters that have dealt with abuse that's not even seen, have been outright banned from their store. And it's a dumb fucking move that's going to bite them in the ass more than cleanse their current so-called wounds. It's one of the very few times where I'm thankful for a platform like Steam, whose shovelware of games is more embarrassing than a $5 game bin at Walmart. With the right boundaries placed, players that are 18 and older can purchase any game with sexual content in it. And there are no hoops and hurdles to jump through or separate downloads you'll need to unlock the sexy bits like you used to. It's all right there immediately when you begin. Same goes with Ichio, who proudly proclaims that they have adult content in it. But because Game Jolt is lovejoying it with the pleas of thinking of the children, not only do adult game makers get hurt in the process, so do many indie game creators. When it comes to games with adult content, 
you need to have your cake and eat it too. Sex content should be protected the same way as violent content. It's not one thing being better than the other, it's two things of a mature matter that should be protected equally. Studio FOW did this well with Subverse last year, as did Mad Mind Studios with the agony spin-off Succubus. And if you want your game to be more sexy and less violent, be my fucking guest. So long as it's not a game where you commit sexual assault or harassment, both of which should be banned, no questions asked, games involving sex should have a safe and viable place for them to thrive. If you don't want to play a game with sex in it, then don't play a game with sex in it. It's as simple as that. But don't let storefronts make that decision before you can decide. Whether or not you want to play is up to you. And so long as you don't try to keep others who want to play it from experiencing it, then it's okay to feel that way. Some people want to play 3D Kanojo, or Succubus Cafe, or Monster Girl Island. And I'm one of those who do, so fuck you if you can't handle that shit. You know, folks, it is hard to promote sex. Not just in games, but in real life. I have friends who do SW stuff on things like OnlyFans, Patreon, and even Pornhub. And trying to make a living off of that is harder than walking through hell barefoot, since so many banks and companies don't want them to use them to give people their due paychecks. I'm a very big proponent of legalizing sex work, because as we've seen with the legalization of marijuana here in Massachusetts... Only when it's legalized can it be properly regulated. Keep it illegal, and you'll have problems like human trafficking and sexual assault. As the saying goes, sex work isn't illegal because it's dangerous. Sex work is dangerous because it's illegal. I know I'm going a little bit off topic there, but it all ties into the legal and safe consumption and creation of sexual content. Video game creators should be allowed to make what they want, even titles that have mature elements like sex in them. Because sex is healthy. Being interested in sex is healthy. And participating in and watching sex is healthy. Again, so long as it's consensual. And I'm going to bet that Game Jolt will backtrack out of his policy the same way OnlyFans did when they saw how much they would lose. So companies that play host to sex content? Don't ban the thing that gave you all that cash in the first place. Because otherwise, well, have you fucking seen Tumblr lately? And with that, I shall step off of my soapbox. Remember... These are the opinions of myself and not of anyone else from the Electric Sisterhood and the like. Although, some things I did say today are facts, plain and simple. And if you don't like it, go to Russia. So let's head back to some more music. From Dublin, but now based in Vancouver, comes Revolution Above Disorder, the solo project of the Orange Kite's Stephen Nicholas White. This is a cover that originally appeared on the compilation Mummy Mummy Please Look at Me, a tribute to television personalities. This is Scream Quietly.
pop culture saturated world, what's a nerd to do? Hang out with your good pals on Nerdy Show, that's what. Our flagship podcast is a weekly celebration of the multifaceted D20 that is the modern nerd. When we're not devising horrors that combine VR and spiders or taste testing weird food, we're discussing the latest geek happenings, digging into our deepest nerd niches, or interviewing a celebrity or two. Head to nerdyshow.com or find us on iTunes and experience a multiverse of awesomeness. from their compilation album Okoshiyasu Otoboki Beaver and finally after years of waiting Otoboki Beaver will be touring the US this April I will be at the Sinclair show in Cambridge Mass so don't you dare mess out on Dave Grohl and Tom Morello's new favorite band そしてイマミナさん今週の日本語予約の時間ですさあ行こうぜ Peacemaker was the Suicide Squad no anti-hero ga terabi bangu ni yakekimashita. Keka, James Gunn no style to taido ni chujitsu de ali tsuzukeru, wairudo de hinji no nai action comedy ga umarimashita. John Cena no subarashi performance de Peacemaker 
マックベストの悲劇はシェイクスタペアの古典を暗く平常恐怖症にしたものですジョエル・コーエン監督は彼の狂気をつかみ始めるとまるであなたがマックベスと同じ部屋にいるように感じさせますあなたはすでに物語を知っているかもしれませんがこの映画の表現方法は最も精通したシェイクサピアルファンでさえにも衝撃を当てることでしょう最後に成熟したビデオゲームのコンテンツに関しては暴力に対してはいセックスに対してイエということはできませんどちらの種類の成熟した様子もたとえそれを好きでないかもしれませんが同じ方法で保護する必要があります一部のオンラインストアはアドットゲームの販売を拒否しているため消費者が購入するかどうかを選択する必要がありますそして長期的に見れば悪いことではないですか My thanks again to my teacher, Mikio Hattore Sensei. Remember, if you'd like to know more information on her cultural exchange initiative, be sure to visit their website at ceinitiative.org. You can also follow CE Initiative on Instagram and Facebook. Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra had a busy year in 2021, from their tribute to Tokusatsu shows with Ska Almighty to the release of the EP SOS Share One Sorrow. Here's a cut from that EP entitled One Night in Tokyo.
Hi, everybody. This is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them... Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time. I was born in a city where the winter nights don't ever sleep. So this life's always with me. The ice inside my face will never be.
straight from the airways of Don FM. That was The weekend with Sacrifice, the first great album of 2022. I know me and the Wicked Anime crew kind of made fun of him when talking about the film Uncut Gems, but he has evolved beautifully in the last couple of years. If he can help make Synthwave the sound of the 2020s, then my smile will be as bright as neon. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders, No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcasts, episodes, and videos from the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com, like us on facebook.com slash bostonbashbrigade, and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me, your King Baby Duck, on Twitter, the J-Pop, Video Games, Anime, Amino Pages, Instagram, and Twitch at KingBabyDuckESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at BlackCompat.com, Twitch.tv slash BlackCompat, and YouTube.com slash BlackCompat. Promotional consideration provided for this week's tracks from Tiny Fighter and Revolution Above Disorder, made possible by Shameless Promotion PR. And a very special thank you to Collect Call for their contribution to Shameless Tuesdays. One very big shout out to Clay Inferno as well for sharing with us Lily Black for this week's Beantown Sampler. We're going to end the show with a song that I wanted to feature on our 2021 Anna Song special, but it wasn't released by the time I recorded it. And it's a shame because I think it's the best anime opening theme of 2021. And it comes from the show The Heike Story, which you can view on Funimation. It comes from a group that I hope I wind up talking a lot about in the future, and they're called Hitsuji Bungaku. Here's their latest single, Hikaru Toki. And until next time, this is your King Baby Duck Remind you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard But it sure helps
guys, this is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com, CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bastard Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can.